You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Uh, Tonight, you just got Andrew flying solo. Paul is off uh, on a turkey mission once again. So I think tonight he is down in Alabama. And they were out roosted birds, so got to put this one together here for you uh, by myself. But it's okay; we can handle it. We're uh, we're getting used to this now. As far as I don't know, I think we're we had a year and a half into this show, so I can handle it. Um, first off, I want to start by saying thank you to our partners, uh, the folks over at Go Wild, Time to Go Wild dot com. Check out the app, your online social media for all things hunting and fishing absolutely great network of folks on there so uh, we greatly appreciate their support and what they do for our show Uh, looking forward one of the next events we've got coming up uh, we're going to go for a little fishing trip with uh, the boys get some walleye up there on Lake Erie so we're uh, excited about that but um, I just want to say thank you to them check out their shop Uh, one of the newer product lines they have is uh, another one of our partners in X-Vision so X-Vision is, is a thermal optics company, and that's what I've been using. If you listen to the show about my trip down to Missouri and Oklahoma, uh, that was a complete game changer as far as uh, we weren't shooting anything at night without one. So uh, super sweet. The scope that I'm using is a TS-200. It's got the ability to do some Wi-Fi so you can watch everything from your phone. Uh, you've got... You know, if you want to give the phone to somebody else, you can watch it on there. You can record to the scope to get the videos. I'm still working on trying to edit some of that stuff down to put it out somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I am not a visual or video editing person by any means. So this has been a mild learning experience with that. However, xvisionoptics.com, there'll be a link to their stuff in our show notes. Thanks to the guys over at Half Rack, half-rack.com. You got all kinds of fun things on their site, and those wall hangers are one of the, the newer things that they brought out. Definitely a classy look for hanging a bow or any of your gear. I think it's up to 50 pounds it's rated. Super, super cool. So they got all kinds of odds and ends. 
and hunting stuff that you guys can take advantage of if you use our code. I should have this written down. Hang on a second. I think it's Ohio Outdoors 15. Ohio Outdoors 15. You guys will save 15% off your order there. Um, or their stuff, some of their stuff is also available on Go Wild as well. So thank you to the guys over there for their support of our show. Uh, we've got our buddies over at First Light. Thank you for their support. Uh, first, FirstLight.com. Hold on. Let me make sure that's right. Yeah, FirstLight.com, L-I-T-E. Uh, they're starting to come out with their new line for this spring. So they've got some spring turkey stuff out there, the new orange vest. I really only endorse anything that I back uh, 100%, and any of the gear I've had, I've loved. I can't say enough. I'm actually getting ready to hop out uh, this afternoon or this evening to hunt some coyotes with my X-Vision and all my first light and all that stuff. Um, so definitely big, big fans of the first light. Who am I forgetting? Midwest Gunworks. Oh, yes. And I'm taking out my gun from Miss Midwest Gunworks. So thank you to Cameron and the folks over there for their support. Um, MidwestGunworks.com. All kinds of parts, gunsmithing, ammunition, tools, accessories, suppressors, all that kind of stuff that you might need. Um, really, they're pretty good about having uh, kind of some of those obscure things that you might be looking for. So brands upon brands upon brands of things that they're carrying uh i encourage you to check them out and our code do we have a code there i'm missing a code hold on bear with me i think it's ohio outdoors five I really need to write this stuff down, like, on the wall. That would be helpful. Cameron's going to send me a terrible text message. All right, well, I'll find that. We'll get back to that. So, let's see. Oh, man, I'm close. I know I'm close. Anywho, all right, let's uh, proceed into uh, a couple things from around the state. So we've got, and I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. If you want to find out more information, you can visit OhioDNR.gov. But we've got the Ohio Natural Resource to Honor Department of Natural Resources to honor state's most decorated conservationists. So they will have uh, nominations for the 2023 Ohio Natural Resources Hall of Fame. And there have been 186 Ohioans inducted since its establishment in 1966, including John Chapman, a.k.a. Johnny Appleseed, explorer John Wesley Powell, conservationist Pulitzer Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist Louis Bromfield, pioneering botanist Lucy Braun and farming conservation advocate, none other than Bob Evans. So I look forward to this year's class there. We've got the H2Ohio Coastal Wetlands Projects commence in the Sandusky Bay. That hits back home to my hometown uh, area. But anything they can do to help 
back there. It looks like plans for Pickerel Creek include restoring 44 acres of wetlands um, in the interior of the wildlife area by reconnecting the creek with its floodplains. So good conservation efforts there. Bridge project along the Little Miami Scenic Trail to resume in the fall. So due to a change in construction plans, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources has re reopened a portion of the Little Miami State Park's multi-use scenic trail just in time for the busy spring and summer seasons. Um, let's see. The trail's O'Bannon Bridge in Loveland, Ohio, was closed in March as part of a project to replace the structure. So it looks like they uh, originally scheduled for it to be shut down and replaced from May to October. Uh, there are no on. While there are currently no concerns with the structural safety of the bridge, in coordination with the Ohio Department of Transportation, they'll monitor the structural integrity of the bridge. If it is deemed unsafe for pedestrian traffic by inspectors, it will be closed. So um, they will start that again in the fall, it looks like. What else do we have? This was an interesting one. The Division of Wildlife Cells... $51,542 of forfeited ginseng. So, uh, looks like it was forfeited from illegal possession cases. And does it say they put it up for auction? The money raised in the auction was added to the state's wildlife diversity fund, which supports projects for species of greatest conservation need such as sandhill cranes, trumpeter swans, and lake sturgeon. So hopefully that money is going to a good place. What else? What else? What else? What else? I think that's about it. So like I said, Paul is out and about uh, doing his turkey thing. Can't wait to get an update from that. I know he's down, down south, I think he said with Mike Pentecost. You guys know I'm not the biggest in the turkey, uh, you know, world but paul has assured me that mike is a very big name so i'll take his word for it and so he should be having fun with that and come back with lots of stories um myself uh i spent a lot of time out in the the yard working on project this week i don't know if you saw my pictures but i have you've heard of dolly we've talked about dolly on the show and dolly is great for instagram and go go wild because she allows me to have so many fun uh, pictures and posts. So Dolly, if you're not aware, is a deer that I would say, I don't know exactly the deal. I'm guessing she was orphaned by an, somebody in my general vicinity that gets out and she comes to visit. She's very friendly. And I was out working in the backyard and I had, all of a sudden I heard my dog and he's like, oh, you know, big, bad, you know, 80 pound yellow lab. And I look over and here goes Dolly, like running. And he's got, Champ has a little uh, electric fence, so he can only go so far. And he's acting all big and bad, and like he just chases deer out of his yard. Well, Dolly turns right around and comes right back at him. Not in an aggressive way, just kind of like, hey, what, what's going on? You know? Because she's not afraid of, of domestic animals. And then all of a sudden, Champ was like, uh, uh, what, what's going on here? Uh, I, mm, I'm out of here. So he he bolts across the yard, and then they played this back and forth thing for a while, and it was funny. I got some of it recorded. Then I was in the skid steer, and Dolly came up right next to me. She's not afraid of it at all. So I got my selfie with with her, 
But I think my favorite picture was, well, there's two. One was I look over at one point, Champ, my dog is laying um, on the patio, and all of a sudden Dolly is right behind him, and Champ has no idea. No clue that that deer was there. She snuck right up on him. So that was really funny. Uh, eventually he did figure it out, but he didn't really care at that point. He had come to this grip that like, or they come to the conclusion that she was okay. And then, uh, the next day I look back at my target. I have a couple 3d deer targets in the back and they're right next to each other. It's just, it looks stupid, but I have to move them around. I just haven't gotten around to that yet, but, um, <laughs> I look and I'm like, okay, which one of these doesn't belong? There's a 3d buck target 3d foam buck target doe target <laughs> obviously she's not a target but dolly's standing right next to these other two deer and it just it was funny so um adventures with dolly continue and we'll keep you up to date on how that goes but for myself i actually had a landowner call me tonight <coughs> that I've talked to him in the past. He does let me do a little bit of shed hunting on his property. And I had mentioned to him one time, you know, after being down with the Missouri guys and down in Oklahoma, I'm like, hey, if you ever, you know, want any help with coyote population, just let me know. You know, he's got some cattle and he's got a good chunk of land. It's beautiful land. And I didn't really think much would have come of it. But this afternoon, about five o'clock, he sends me a text and says, hey, we just had a controlled burn out here today. Uh, on this like CRP area, crap ground. And he said, the guys doing the burning said, if you like to coyote hunt, tonight's the night to do it. Like they'll be all over this controlled burn area trying to get mice and different things out. So he's like, uh, if you want to come out, come over, I'll show you the ropes and then you can take a crack at it. So a kind of an impromptu, uh, coyote hunt. I'm going to see if I actually learned anything from the boys in Missouri or if uh, that was just dumb luck when we were out there. So can't wait to fill you back in on that one. I hope hope I can get you that here pretty quick. So uh, with no further ado, to this week's episode, we've got Bo Martonic. And I know most people know Bo. He's, he's industry famous, uh, East Meets West podcast, and he is just all over the place. Super smart dude, super down to earth, like, I mean, we talked to him for a long time at the Go Wild booth at Harrisburg earlier this year, and he is just a great dude. But Bo's really known for deer hunting. But I don't think that people, you don't think about Bo when you think about turkeys. Obviously, we're in turkey season. Someday we'll get Bo back on to talk about deer because that is his forte, and he'll tell you that. But the dude's got stories, and he's out scouting at this time of the year for deer. Uh, that's a major thing. You watch him on his posts and stuff. It'll show you where he's out, you know, finding sheds and beds and all that, you know, winter scouting over there in Pennsylvania. But he does have an interesting turkey story to tell. And Paul was, was enamored when we found out that Bo's grandfather actually used to make turkey calls. And he was big into the, you know, making turkey calls and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very interesting conversation of of, aside of Bo that I don't think most people know um, when it comes to, you know, his relationship maybe with his grandpa and then some of the the turkey background. And we think about Bo slaying whitetails all the time, but he's actually 
pretty he, he won't say it but he's a pretty good turkey hunter he sent me some pictures to use for uh social media and stuff he's got a lot more birds than i've ever seen so um Anywho, this was a fun one, and I hope you guys enjoy it. We will talk to you next next week. If you get a chance, you can leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. We greatly appreciate that. Our website, the02podcast.com. Uh, Instagram, the.o2.podcast. Go Wild. I think it's just O2Podcast. Uh, what else? I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Usually everything's linked together on those. So um, if you've got any questions, reach out to us and... Uh, you know, see what we can do. Appreciate everybody for listening. Take care. Good. All right. So we got Bo Martonic on here today. Bo, how's, how's it going, man? What What's new in your world? It's good, man. It's like 65, 70 degrees here in Pennsylvania today. Like I'm, I've got the window open in my office. I'm enjoying it. How about you guys? We're about to get shit housed by some storms. So, we'll oh, see. they're coming. We'll yeah. see. What but happens. it's nice and warm. It was 78 when I walked in. So, I'm ready, Dang. man. I'm ready for spring. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. You guys been busy turkey hunting a little bit, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I've I've been out. He, he was Andrew was out killing pigs and and shooting coyotes the last couple of days. So nice. Yeah, we've been all yeah, over, but, all over the place. I got my first first Osceola, what, gosh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess, at this point, something like that. So headed down That's to awesome. Alabama headed down to Alabama in a few days, man. I'm I'm ready. So about you, That's you got any, any any southern turkey hunting done yet? No, I've I've never I've never hunted turkeys anywhere other than Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Montana, but nothing down south. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing my first Montana hunt this year. I'm gonna be out there uh the 4th through the 12th, May 4th through the 12th. So nice. I don't know what to expect, man. I, I'm going to hunt. I'm going to start out like in the eastern half of the state, kind of southeastern, and then and then work my way towards uh, towards Bozeman with some some people that I know down there. So see how it goes, yeah. man. You'll love it. Like, I guess in my short experience of, of doing a little bit of turkey hunting there, it was like, you can find the birds, you can kill them. It's like, you know, they're in pockets on public ground like through areas but it's like if you can find them they're they're a lot more killable than the easterns i'll put it that way yeah. was it comparable to hunting in pennsylvania uh not exactly it's um like at least where i was at was kind of in the foothills of the mountains so some open stuff with some pines and everything there and they're just uh it was just crazy that they'd really respond to just about anything like i was actually even just this fall when i was elk hunting i was elk hunting in the same area and i had heard some turkeys clucking and i just started making noises with my mouth trying to sound like a turkey and i am not good at doing that without a call and two two long beards came running right into 12 yards and i was really tempted to shoot them because it was a fall turkey season um with my bow and i was like no we're three and a half miles back and i'm focusing on elk don't shoot a turkey right now so i i <laughs> I kept myself uh, composed and I didn't do it, but um, not me. I just shot that turkey right away. <laughs> I totally abandoned the deer hunter, elk hunt, whatever else I'm on. It turned into a turkey hunt real quick. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, no, I understand that. <laughs> so, so when you hunt Ohio, are you hunting like the 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 hilly part that we have here in the state and that eastern half? Yeah, I had hunted some private farm ground 
for turkeys probably seven or eight years ago. Um, there's more flat type country. And then, uh, but the other turkey hunting I've done has been like in the hill, big woods type setting, similar to what I hunt in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Are you using a shotgun when you go out? Yeah. You bow, okay. Yeah. Yep. Boy. yeah. Now, no, I don't, I don't like to bow hunt turkeys to be honest. Yeah. I don't, I don't either, man. I, I'm not against it. And Andrew has got me. It's, it's funny, man. I've told the story once or twice on the show, but I, I was talking to one of the most accomplished archers of all time is killed every, I mean, literally every big game animal that you can kill with a bow in this entire world. That's not just this kind of this entire world. And he made a comment to me. He said, the number one animal that I lost the most with archery hunting was a Turkey. I'm like, then why did you keep doing it? Like, why did you yeah. keep hunting turkeys with a bow, man? Let, let me tell you. And, that story got told to Paul at about two o'clock in the afternoon, and he was pissed all day long. It, he was I, I just fired like I, up. Yeah, and this is this guy's a legend, and the, and, the, and I just like I'm like I I gotta walk off, man. I gotta I gotta walk away. Why did you say that to me? You just ruined my day. So anyway, I you know I shoot the shiny spot. That's what uh, that's the the, the key. If you're gonna bow hunt turkeys, shoot the shiny spot on the wing. That's it. That's all I can tell you. So, um, see Andrew, you got me all pissed off already. Thinking about people shooting turkeys with a bow. <laughs> anyway, no more tonic. So, so I, yeah. I, I ask this, I ask this question a lot uh, of of every turkey hunter that, that I talk to, and and I and I ask it because I think I could ask this question a hundred times, and I'm going to get ninety nine different answers, and that is like finding turkeys in in the big woods. Um, I'm not talking about East County. I mean, like literally, like if I just drop you off on a WMA here in Ohio, I said, "Bo, go find some turkeys." What? How do you do it? How do you go about finding turkeys uh, in, in in the hilly parts of Ohio or PA? So I'll be honest, I've never specifically targeted turkeys when I'm scouting. It's normally when I'm deer scouting that I come across turkey sign and I pay attention to it. But one of the things that I've found, which could lead to if I was doing this specifically for turkeys, is I like to look for ridges that have like some relatively open woods versus some of the thicker stuff I'm looking for deer. Now I've found that the hens will nest like on the edges and the inside of that thicker stuff a little bit, but where those ridges have hemlocks or some sort of pine trees that come off the points because they like to, they seem to like to roost in those areas particularly and spend there. So that's where I tend to look. And then the logging roads that kind of come around those areas that they seem to work and scratch on and, and, uh, and so that that's kind of what I look for when I'm doing that. Also, like if I can find some openings that are kind of mixed in with that too. So it's vegetation diversity, like I'm looking for, for deer, but at the same time, it's just a little bit different the way it's looking at it rather than looking for thick stuff. I'm kind of looking for some more diversity with open stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's why I love that question. Cause no one has said that's never, that's never been the response that I've gotten from, from someone. And and that's, that's one of my favorite. I, I love using Google earth for my e-scouting. If I know if I'm hunting, if I, if I'm scouting like e-scouting, like this massive piece of public property and I don't need the lines or whatever, I, I don't know what it is. The, the imaging, the imaging is clearer on Google earth from some of the other ones that I've used and the areas that I hunt, most of the, most of the images, they're all winter time. So there's no leaves on the tree. So you can like yep. see the ground. And I love that. And it really, you could talk about hemlocks and, 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 uh, you know, your pines, those just pop, you know, and that's, that's what I like. I like finding that, that transition, that habitat diversity. Oh, you find a logging road or a little clear cut. That's, that's fresh. I know where I'm going. 
So well, I, I've been using uh, so I've been using lidar a lot recently as far as finding logging roads um, from okay. a turkey turkey hunting perspective. So like because unless you have a spot, even when you have a spot that doesn't it has leaf off imagery, sometimes it's tough to see those old logging roads. Where so I've been uh, testing uh, the lidar layer for Spartan Forge here recently. They have one okay. meter da- one meter data for Pennsylvania. So like every three feet that there's a difference in that train, you can see it. And that's how I've been looking at, like, as far as spots where the turkeys can go on the, on those hills, especially when you start getting in terrain. It's like, all right, how, how what is their direction of travel going to be? And a lot of times I'll look for where some of those places cross um, and meet up because it's likely that, say, if they're on either of those levels at some point, they're going to kind of come to that point where it's a spot for them to pitch to, you know, as they're coming out of the roost versus just on the top of the hill. And, uh, and, th- and that was something I'd picked up from turkey hunting, but I'd never really looked at it from a mapping perspective until recently. And like another thing that I'll do, like from, um, you know, you didn't really ask about e-scouting, but one thing I do do is like, I'll look for where there's a bunch of points that kind of come out and it creates like a bowl in there. And I'll try to find the point where I can have the best listening spot to go to and just sit there in the evening and listen. Like I can think of a particular spot that I love to turkey hunt that I'll go and I'll, I'll just sit there in the evening and just listen. Sometimes I'll, you know, maybe I'll give an owl hoop. Maybe I'll just sit there and listen. And typically I can start to hear birds on different points and they'll move throughout. Like the turkeys, at least in a lot of the areas I hunt seem to go on like a three to five day, you know, excursion where they go in like a circle uh, to different areas, but they always kind of come back. So it's like, if I find them in, in one area, they might be on a different ridge the next day. But if I can get to a, a primary listening point that I can hear all these different ridges, it really helps uh, the opportunity to be able to to find them. Yeah. Just explain what, what LIDAR is, because that's the, I've, I've heard of it. I, and just, just for the people listening to this, what is that LIDAR layer on Spartan Forge? What is that? It's a uh, laser detecting and ranging basically so think of it i'll 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 explain it in layman's terms as it was like explained to me when i I first found it probably five or six years ago through caltopo um they had it in their mapping app it just wasn't very clear but essentially if you could take all the trees away from everywhere and how the land looks underneath it Mm -hmm. even taking the buildings away it shows that like it shows any sort of pond any sort of watering hole that you could find any any sort of divot in the terrain you can see it so much better spring seeps that are coming off like it almost look like a tree on the ground but it's all the little parts of the spring seep where it starts and then it hits the bigger stream and eventually you know goes into a creek and then to a river and like you can see all those things as if there's no trees on the ground so it's like a gray screen and it just shows like with almost like shading the indentations throughout so it helps find like little terrain features that you wouldn't be able to see even on a topo map um or aerial imagery so it's like i don't know it's not something i use exclusively for anything it's just like an added tool that as i'm looking at something it's usually like the last layer that i'll throw on and take a look at yeah that's it that's interesting because in especially in the hill country there there could be a spot that's 15 feet wide by 60 feet long that's just flat or open or whatever it is 
that that's where those turkeys, they pitch down, they do their thing with the hens, and that's where they like to be, to just strut around and drum and, and display. And you would never see that just looking at lines unless you knew that it was like you walked on top of it. Um, yep. And so that's, you know, that's, that's the, you know, the sage advice is like you, you know, for any hunting, well, where are we going to go hunt? Well, where, where the, where the turkeys want to be, where do they want to be? And that could be just such a small, just really insignificant little spot in the woods. That's neat. I'm going to have to check that out. I, you have, you have piqued my interest. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's actually that. not, it's as, as the time of recording this, it's not even out yet to production. That was just on the, um, on my test phone that I was going through it, but I'll, I'll keep you in the loop when that comes out so you can check yeah. it out. But it's, it's pretty cool. Like, so I know we're not talking about deer, but just to give you an example, of we're always talking about like. deer, Bo. We're always, we're always allowed to talk about deer. Paul brings turkeys okay. up in the middle of November. So we're allowed to talk about deer now. Okay. Well, I was out scouting a couple of days ago and again, I was going through and I've been just trying to like, one of the things I do with testing the app is just try to break the app and, so I'm always testing it. And I was out and I was like, I found, I was in a relatively flat big woods area and there was like some beaver ponds and some kind of swampy type areas. And there was a bunch of blowdowns and I've hunted the area for a long time. I know does bedded in there. Well, there was this little like Island of trees that went out and there was what I thought, what I'm pretty sure is a buck bed that was out there with some rubs kind of leading out into it. And it's only about a two foot rise you know, for everything else is kind of swampy. So something that's not going to show up even on the most detailed topo lines to be able to see that. Now you can see it relatively, um, I guess you can see trees, like as far as you're looking at the aerial map, but that LIDAR just popped. Like it was like, okay, this is an obvious spot that a deer could lay and just look at the entire open bottom around and just like dive into the abyss, you know, if, if uh, somebody were to come up on it and that, that was, you know, I've, I find a lot of, I've found a lot of, uh, advantages with using LIDAR and, uh, you know, from Turkey and deer hunting perspective here recently. So I've, it's, I've been testing it for like six months, but like I said, I used LIDAR years ago and it just, some areas it was okay. Some of it, it wasn't so, um, but it's really kind of came back into my, uh, repertoire there, I guess, or my tool bag of things. And I was like, you know, from a turkey hunting perspective, it was like I started looking at some of the places, you know, it's fine turkey sign and correlating that with the map. And it's like this is this is really useful for doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. I have, I have a novice question. OK, so I'm going to bring it back to turkey hunting 101. Yes. I've hunted bow over where where you're at. Right. I think we you and I looked yep. at the map. Uh, I've been in that that zone before. And one of the things as somebody who's new, Paul, please don't judge me, but um, I remember the one morning we had a bird goblin and he was down. So we were up on a ridge, probably right near the top. And we heard him gobbling down below. And it's one of those things. So like thinking about your, your point where you, you know, you're sitting on the point and you can hear him out there trying to get down and closer to him. And like for a while he would continue to gobble every time we'd hit him with a, a call. And then he stopped. How do you know when to just park it and when to keep going after him? And I, cause I never got eyes on him, but you could definitely hear him down there. And it was like, you just keep going down and down the ridge, down the ridge, down the ridge after him. And I guess my bigger fear is to be too aggressive and scare him away. And then you, he's gone forever versus sitting down and hoping that he comes back to you. Does that make sense? Like, I just don't know where that line is to, to stop 
and and sit or continue on. And Paul, you can add to it if you've got insight on on your side. Well, you were hunting. That's from a fall hunt, right? No, that was a spring. Was it spring? Okay. So oh, I you're guess the guest. I, you go ahead. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask a quick another question here off this scenario. So is were the tur- are the turkeys going away from you or are they coming towards you? Like what what is the? So I don't know. We heard him gobbling. Right. Yeah. And, and every time he gobbled, it sounded the same distance away. Maybe my ear isn't fine tuned enough for that yet. And then he shut up for a minute. And I remember I thought, you know, OK, he's he's gone away. And and I think we had sat down at that point. But then a, a hawk or something flew over. And next thing you know, shot goblin or whatever. And he, all of a sudden he gobbles again. He's not he couldn't have been that far away. It was like he's in the same same vicinity. So. So at, at that point, I typically depending on the distance, but if he's you know, within, I don't know, 150 yards or so, I'm not going to try to get any closer. If anything, I'm just going to shut up and just scratch leaves and just take a break and just sit there. And I might sit there for over an hour and just wait because I've been burned so many times on thinking that they're not going to come in or not going to have an opportunity and then getting up to move. And then all of a sudden I spook them and they, and they, and they blow out and, and, and I, I don't claim to be an expert in this field whatsoever, but like, that's one of the things that I've learned is like on with Turkey hunting, I treat it differently than I do with deer hunting a little bit. And I'm, I'm very patient and just kind of something I learned from my grandpa is just like, he's like, just sit there. He's like, just wait, you know, if he's with hens, he's probably not going to come in anyways and, and be able to, I'm not a good enough caller to really be able to pull him off those hens. So it's just like, if he's going to come or let him play around with those hens, he's going to get really, you know, kind of curious, like what's going on over there. What did I hear there? And he might come in quite a bit later than you would imagine. So typically I'll wait. Now, if the bird is like heading kind of in the opposite direction, my goal is to try to do a big circle as fast as I possibly can and get out in front, make a little bit of noise, and then just sit there and try to play it from that perspective. Paul, what do you think on that? I, I definitely like the, I like the hook. Uh, you know, the hook and ladder, if you will, to, to get, to get out in front of them. Um, I, whenever, whenever, because I, I've done this a hundred times where you're, you're just sitting there calling, you hear nothing, you get up and then there are two turkeys that were 25 yards to your left and you had no idea that they're there. They're gone. Um, one of the things that I've started doing before I get up, if I've got a Tom that's, that's hanging out, I'm, I'm going to hit him with the loudest shock gobble, whether it be a crow or an owl, something. Um, I, I think I kind of default to an owl call at all hours of the day just to see if they're close, because if they're not responding to Turkey calls, which is a, a, a possibility that owl call might yank something out of them. Um, but I'm with you. If they're, if they're moving, if they're moving away, I'll try to get out in front of them. If they are staying where they're at and there's that little spot that you found in the LIDAR that they don't want to move at, they're just, they're going to gobble and stay. I'll start, I'll call and I'll start moving away from them. Um, and, and they think that their opportunity is, is <laughs> to breed is leaving so that, you know, you can, I, I had a Turkey last year in Alabama that I, that I did that same, that very same move. He would not come off the spot. And I just, I walked, I called, I walked 60 yards, called, walked a hundred yards, called in within minutes, he was 60 yards from me because he thought really? I was, yeah, he thought I was leaving. And so that, that is a very, a very effective strategy. It didn't happen. You know, I, some, some, some jackasses from Alabama salt, you know, you could see this Turkey from the road in public property. That's just how close we were. They saw him 
full strut about 70 yards from me and stuck their hand out to throwing, take a picture of him. Throwing shade at uh, Parker. Yeah, it scared it him. Parker. Yeah, scared him, scared him off. So, but I mean, that <laughs> was the, that's the back and forth. I mean, you can, you can pull that maneuver, you know, th- that's, that's a really good one. You start moving away from that turkey, just slow. You don't have to do it quick. They think that you are, you know, the, you are leaving. I mean, because they, yeah. they are, they have an incredible ability to understand or determine and pinpoint how far away you are and exactly right where you are. And you start moving away from them there. I mean, there's a good chance you're going to pull them off their little spot. So. Yeah. No, I like, I like that, uh, yeah. that idea there. And honestly, and like I've, I found that it's, it's almost the, I mean, if you if you're hunting flat farm ground, it is tough, especially in Ohio, if you're or Pennsylvania, if it's, if it's relatively flat and it's that early spring season, the first two weeks of the season where nothing's leafed out or greened out, you can see 200 yards. They can see like 400 yards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and exactly. so you better have, you better have some hills to, to work with. So, or be really good at crawling <laughs> one of the two. So yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. my, that's my, that's my go-to move, man. I'm going to try to J hook in on them or I'm going to start moving away from them. Yeah. The, ter- the terrain is, is so beneficial to be able to use. Um, that's, I, I love, I love hunting areas with terrain for turkeys in the big woods. Cause it's like, you can you can get away with more. You can get a little bit closer. No matter what the foliage is, you can yeah. you can. Uh, and I always have like something stuck in my head ever since I was a kid. My dad always would drill at my head. He's like, you'd never pop up onto a different terrain level without just slowly, just like barely peeking up and just scanning. Because yeah. that's when typically you, you you know if you were out doing anything else in the woods, you could walk up there and not see a single thing. But as soon as you do that and you're turkey hunting, there's going to be a gobbler standing there, and he's going to pitch across the valley yeah. and yeah. gone. And, <laughs> and they, man, they 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 those I mean the turkeys deer they blend in so well. And we've all been there where they move and you're like, oh crap, that thing was thirty yards from me. I didn't even see it. If yeah. it wasn't for that bright red, white, and blue head. I mean, you're not going to see a turkey if they're just, and that's what's, that's what, you know, I, I got the chance to hunt uh, some flat farm ground last year uh, here in Ohio. And it was my first, cause I've always hunted like just hilly terrain for turkeys. That's just what, what I grew up doing. And, 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 you know, we had turkeys gobbling and moving and, and my friends like, what do I do? I'm like, I have no idea, man. I don't know what I'm doing. There's no hills. I'm like, I'm looking around for like a ditch to crawl through. I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to do. I can't figure this out. There's not a hill in sight. This is as flat as can be. Uh, and I was like, let me just sit here. Uh, we ended yeah. up crawling through a ditch, getting right up on these turkeys. It's, it just you know moved away. But it's I, I'm with you, man. I like the hills. I like the trees. I like the ridges, the creek bottoms, river bottoms. If it's flat farm ground, I am out of my league for sure. So Yeah. No, yeah, one of the go ahead. No, 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 no go ahead. I say talk. one of the one of the lessons I think I think too for for new turkey hunters is uh, that early season, that first half when there's no leaves out, they gobble them. You can hear them quite it's even the hills flat. You can hear them quite you know quite a distance. When things start to leaf out, you know, Andrew, remember last year we were hunting the last day of the season and you couldn't see 10 feet. And I'm like, dude, if a turkey gobbles, it's like 15 yards from us because it's just so dense. Um, that sound just doesn't travel as far. So, I mean, you keep, keep that in mind too. You know, if you're, if you're listening, there's leaves all over the tree and they're closer than you think they are. Yeah. And it's so hard to, to judge that as far as like you start, get, especially if it, like you're hunting weekends. Okay. Say you have hunt one weekend, the next weekend it becomes, you know, quite a bit greener out, you know, what you heard and what you could started to gauge as far as a distance of a gobble is so different that following weekend especially when you get into may like 
you know, with our turkey seasons um, in Pennsylvania, and I believe Ohio is pretty similar, but like with a lot of it being in May, it's really starting to green up at that period. And I know I struggle with that sometimes and have been uh, screwed as far as like just thinking of birds further away than he, than he is. Like I yeah. do, I do like that, that end of the season, you know, as you're getting it'll the end of part of May, it's really difficult, but I feel like once I get a bird going, it's, you have a lot more, you have a lot higher chance of closing because he's just, you can get closer because of the foliage, you know, you have the train and the foliage to be able to, to work in, in your manner. And usually if you're hearing them, you're relatively close already. So. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you, what's your favorite part of the day to hunt? Do you like hunting that fly down? Do you hunt, you know, maybe especially public land, let the pressure ease off, let the turkeys do what they need to do in the morning and, and, and go in for the second shift or, or you an all, all day sort of guy. I'm a, I, I like right off the roost is like, I wanted, that's my favorite. And then I'd say second favorite would be about nine thirty ten 10 o'clock till noon. Like that time period there, it seems like I, that's another one of those things. Like you get some, a bird to gobble. He's probably on his own. He's ready to come in and go like that's, yeah. I, I think I've killed just as many in that later part of the morning as I have right off the bat you know so that's like especially if i'm going into like a a newer area or something i haven't scouted as much i'm not sure exactly where they're roosted at i tend to do better in that later later part and that's again that's something i learned i i brought him up a couple times but my grandpa is like a just a crazy turkey hunter like he's had patented turkey calls back in the 70s and 80s like he's um in some books from the turkey hunting perspective and like was just really really and he still is and he's in his uh you know later part of his 70s and he's just he's like i let all you amateurs go play with him early in the morning and he goes out about 9 30 yeah. he never goes out before then and yeah. he's still and he's hunting some of the you know the the old birds that way and and i yeah. i liked i like that method he's he was also one again taught me of just like being silent a lot of times and just being patient and kind of waiting him out it's not trying to be the loudest guy in the woods it's yeah, uh for sure you know, just playing with them. You know, that's, that's a, that's a very great, great point that you said about, about not being the loudest guy in the woods. I, I got to hunt with Mike, Mike Pentecost from Woodhaven a couple of weeks ago. And the thing that stood out the most uh, hearing, and, the, and and you talk about like elite turkey hunters. So you cuz Strickland likes to say there's turkey hunters and there's turkey killers and that turkey killer that is rarefied air, man. Like your grandpa's in that for sure. You know, the three of us are aspiring to be turkey killers, right? Yeah. Mike yep. Pentecost is a turkey killer. And the thing that stood out the most, as soon as he started calling, I'm like, wow, I call way too loud. I mean, I'm five feet from him and I can barely hear it. I mean, that's how quiet his calling was. And I, you know, I talked to him about it afterwards and he's just like, you know, Paul, he's like, as turkey hunters, we, we know how good a turkey's eyes are. We underestimate how good their hearing is. And he's like, you don't have to call that loud. He's like, sometimes it's really fun because you get them all worked up and they start coming in, you know? And he's like, but most of the time it's just that. And and that is a very deadly, uh, deadly maneuver, man. That's that soft, that soft, quiet yelping. So what's it's your so what's, hard to do? Like, but it, like, is, I, man. it is so like, I, I know I like, like when they start getting worked up, I get worked up and I just want to, you know, just get louder. Like, yeah. uh, like without even without even trying, like you just start, I, I catch myself doing it, but it's, uh, it takes someone that's experienced those turkey killers to really, uh, to, that they've learned over time that, that skill, I guess. 
a discipline. They, they, that, and, and, and everyone says, you know, what's the key to turkey hunting patience. I think discipline that, that virtue is, is it goes hand in hand. You know, like you said, you, you, those Turkey killers, they are the most disciplined, consistent people in the woods. And that's, yep. man, it's so hard. Cause you just start hammering on a tube call or a box call and they start gobbling at it. I mean, ah, I love that stuff. So uh, what's, what's your grandpa's name? You don't mind sharing that. Yeah. Francis cherry, Francis cherry. So I, yep. I'll tell you what, man, like, when we talk about Northern Turkey hunters and just kind of like the culture that surrounds Turkey hunting and, and, you know, it really kind of starts in the Southeast and just, and, and kind of swirls up, but, but Pennsylvania, where you're from, that is like the epicenter of, of Northern Turkey hunting culture and really the epicenter of Turkey hunting just in this country. So it's neat that your grandpa's kind of, you know, was in that, you know, the beginning stages of the modern turkey hunter that, that we know about, man, that's really cool. So, yeah, like, and, and the guy always laughed, like, so I still have a box of his calls. He doesn't make them anymore, but like there are these, it was a, an owl hooter that was, had a slate on the end of it. And so it was really small slate and it was a super quiet call. And that's what like, he'd always just teach me. He's like, just being silent with it. He's like, this is the only call you need. And that's what I always say. He's like, you just need this call and just be silent and you don't need to, you know, uh, you, you don't need to have a million different things and do this. He's like, keep it simple and just keep going. And like, one thing I've learned about turkey hunting is like, it's just doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, normally that's the definition of insanity, but a lot of times like hunting these types of areas, it's just moving and calling and just trying to locate birds. And it's just like, you do that enough, you're eventually going to strike something up. Yeah. Yeah. We, I always say like, we're looking for the turkey that's willing to die. And you strike yeah. up that turkey at 11 o'clock or 2 in the clock in the afternoon, he gobbles at you, that sucker's willing to die. I mean, that's I'm, – I'm really excited at that point. You know, someone – you know, turkey gobbles at freaking anything at 7 a.m., you know. Um, those mid-afternoon, yeah. early or late morning turkeys, those are the ones, man, they're, they're, they're cranked up, man. They're feeling, they're, they're feeling a little reckless that day, so. Yeah, you know, that's, that's – it's funny you say that because, like, I was just talking to someone else the other day, and I was like, I said, I'm not a great turkey caller. I don't know the the terminology behind some of the stuff I'm doing. I'm looking for that bird that's ready to die, and I'm willing yeah. to just keep going until I find that bird. And, you know, yeah. I've heard that, like, with elk hunters that are big into calling. And so, like, they'll walk away from bugles that, you know, it might take all day sitting on it to maybe be able to get, get after them. They're like, nope, I'm just going to keep moving until I find that one that's hot and he's ready to go. And yeah. that's kind of the way I look at turkey hunting for my strategy because i'm not like i said I'm, i don't claim to be you know even a half decent caller no it's all good so I, I i'm i'm running out of time for this but you guys feel free to continue this is a great talk i i do want to ask you um one of the one of the like great debates in the world of turkey hunting and really elk hunting i've never elk hunted but is that that calling what's more important calling or woodsmanship and so what's, what's, what's your take on that? And I think I know what the answer is, but what's your take? I think it's woodsmanship. Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it is like, call, I think calling is super, it can be super effective and super important, but at the same time, it's reading the land. It's reading how you think the turkeys are going to move or the elk are like trying to read the terrain, reading the vegetation and just like making moves without you're not even really like processing this all cognitively like it's just happening as you learn skills over time and that i think that woodsmanship woodsmanship aspect comes over time it's not something that's 
you can really just learn off the bat. You start recognizing things that turkeys do. And you start all of a sudden you see them do that multiple times in different scenarios. Like, okay, then I almost put that as that's like a law, you know, that's something that's that most of the time they're probably going to do that. So being able to read the woods and, and read the, the birds languages and see, you know, they're with a bunch of hens or they're doing this and you start to, you start to play off of that. And I think you can trump being a good caller and that's just my opinion, but that's how I look at it. Yeah. That, that woodsmanship, that's the great equalizer. You could be a champion caller and suck it. You're you know, reading the woods or moving through the woods and, and it, 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 you know, it may not matter, you know? So the, and that's, yeah. and I think, I think that, you know, those guys that have reached that rarefied killing level of Turkey killer, those are the guys, they got both of it, you know, and, yeah. and, and they've got, they can throw out any call. They understand when to use it, when not to use it, you know, the, but they know where to set up. They know where the turkeys want to be. And that's something for years for me, it's just like, well, this looks great. This is where I want to be. And, you know, the turkeys go 80 yards away and they're just like, oh, this is where I want to be. Sorry, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the, it's the same. It's the same thing as deer. Like it's, it's the same thing as like so many hunters you see set up for deer based off of where it looks good to them or where they want to be. But is that where the deer wants to be? No, it's the same, you know, or maybe it is, but a lot of times it's not. It's the same thing with turkeys, in my opinion. It's like, where, where do those turkeys feel safe? Where do they want to be at? Like it's, it's now there's different, obviously strategies between the two, but it's the same concept. It's like trying to think of how the turkeys think of it. And those certified killers, they are half Turkey. Like they, they, oh, they for know. Sure. Yeah. They know it. Yeah. Bird brain. They're bird brain is what we like to. <laughs> is that what yeah. you like to call yeah, it? That's what I call bird it. So. I like it. Um, do you, when you're ever, you're, this is just kind of like a really odd question, but you know, like when, when you're ever walking through the woods, scouting for deer or deer hunting or turkey hunting, I, I do this all the time. I, I find an area and it's like beautiful. I'm like, something needs to die here. Turkey, deer, God made this spot. Nature made this spot for me to kill something right here. So I'm going to sit here and I do that all the time. I've never killed anything in one of those spots. I don't do like, do you see something like, Something needs to die here. I'm going to, this, I'm going to hang a tree stand right here because this is like visually the perfect place. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I've been in that and like some beautiful, like big Oak Ridge forest that just like, man, you sit on this side, you can look out and you can see this Valley. It's just a beautiful spot to sit, but not a whole lot of killing that goes on. Nothing's ever, yeah, nothing ever (laughs) happens there, man. One of these, one of these years, I'm going to walk across one of those special spots be like, and it's going to happen. And I'm just going to sit there and be like, yes, I knew it. I was, I guessed right. So yeah. (laughs) Funny. I hear you, man. Well, uh, Bo, on one thing I had, Paul, if you got to jump, go for it. The, um, you're talking about the woodsmanship stuff. So when you're out in this time of the year, you're doing a lot of deer scouting, right? You're checking for sheds, trails, whatever, beds, cameras, anything that's out there. If you come across an area and you're like, okay, there's a lot of turkey scratching here and a lot of turkey sign in general, maybe you come up on the birds. When you go, if you go back to that area for turkey, are you like, just, I'm going to set up here and think that they're basically right in this general area? Or how do you navigate finding that spot for your opening day? I, I typically try to look at then I look at the map or like, or I just know from being in there scouting of like, where can I get to that I can hear towards that area? Or I even look at like, okay, what looks like a good, you know, if I see scratching, it's like, okay, 
it doesn't mean they're roosted right here. So where, what kind of looks like good areas to roost. And a lot of times like that'll be those hemlocks. They love roosting in the hemlocks, uh, you know, around here, whether that's in uh creek bottom that has it. But a lot of times I find them off the points of ridges, um, that they'll be roosting in those areas. So if I'm out scouting and I happen to check out those areas and I start to find some droppings and stuff below those trees and, you know, start seeing a lot of it, it's like, okay, maybe this is it. But if I don't know that, I just want to get to an area where I can hear that particular area. So then if I'm wrong, which a lot of times I am, like I can, I can still hear potentially where they would be at. Gotcha. And yep. uh, the only other question I got off the top of my head is uh, in your scouting and stuff this year, and this is all anecdotal, right? But uh, what's the population of birds look like over there this year compared to recent years? Better. Um, Good. So it's been, it's been really terrible. I'm going to be honest in the last, five to seven years maybe even longer here like of finding birds like i spend a lot of time in the woods and i rarely come across turkey sign so like it's it's but last year i started seeing a bunch of jakes and i was like okay this is good this is real good and this year i've been seeing groups of long beards together like quite a few and i'm like this is great like it seems like it's it's better than i've than i've seen in my particular areas and that's yeah, that's really that's, good that's to good. hear. We uh, did an interview the other day with our turkey biologist for the state of Ohio, and he's echoing the exact same sentiment. So, uh, and we talked about how you guys, you know, at least at the biology level, they do communicate with the surrounding states to see what you know their their poll uh, surveys are saying and all that kind of stuff. So, fingers crossed, we are on the uh, the rebound here. So. Yeah, and and I and I was having a conversation with someone the other day about like when you see things in particular areas like the state agencies do the best they can to control populations as far as with tag allotments all those things but they can't see every little individualized area and like you could go 15 miles down the road and it could look completely different than a particular spot so it's like it takes hunters to control like put it on their own you know what what are you seeing like for example pennsylvania you can kill two gobblers in the spring now i might buy two tags but after i kill one in the last i haven't tried to fill my second tag and i can't tell you how many years because it's like that i'm not seeing the numbers to support that now could i go to different areas and do that maybe but i just i don't know i think it takes some hunter discipline on like seeing what's in their area instead of i just see a lot of people complaining like why aren't the state agencies doing this why aren't they doing that they're doing whoops <laughs> my blind fell down um they're doing the best that they can, those state agencies, to like figure things out and have a good idea what's going on in those areas. And I think it takes the hunters to really self-govern, I guess, on some of those those areas. And yeah. that's just my opinion. I mean, here 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 in Ohio, we talk about what state agencies control. So four, I think it's four point eight percent of the land in Ohio is public. This is regulated by the state of Ohio. Four point eight percent. So when when you talk about, I mean, that's such a small percentage of the land that the state controls and can do the habitat management and do the stuff. I mean, you know, the role of private landowners in the, in in every state in this country that has turkeys or deer or wildlife management, right? The role of private landowners is crucial because we you know we lob you know hate at the state agencies, and you know they're like, well. We're trying to, we're doing the best we can on the 5% of the land that we can do work on. 
you know, and so that's that's an important fact that 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 people people overlook. And and I know last year just here in Ohio, I saw more Jakes in the landscape than I have in years. And so when we look at like cyclically, you know, cyclically what's what's happened with the populations, PA, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, all, all this, you know, Alabama, everywhere that we're, we're having population decline. I think you're starting to see, you know, those those the repercussions of those cold wet springs. We had you know three or four years that were just miserable. And then now we're starting to see a little a little bounce back. Will it be what it was like, you know, in the 90s or early 2000s? Probably not. I don't, I don't want even turkey on then, so I have no idea what it's like, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I think that's, that's good to hear that, you know, that you're seeing more, you're seeing more long beards and, and, and the Jakes are good. So I think, I think, yeah, the role of, of hunters and the, the role that we play in reducing that, those, those long beards every year, that's a real thing. You know, I don't think, yeah, people, I don't think people have that honest conversation uh, with themselves. You know, it's easy to blame a raccoon or the state or, you know, a coyote, whatever it is. But, you know, we kill quite a few turkeys every year as hunters. Yep. Yeah. Now, I will say, like, fishers have their population um, in Pennsylvania has increased like crazy. There's not a trail camera that I have in the woods that doesn't get a picture of a fisher at some point. And I went from never seeing them in the tree to last year, I saw probably on six different occasions, I had a fisher come by me. And it, and I'll say this, it was, there's probably only two separate fishers in that because one was just like to frequent the area and I know I was seeing them, but I'd see the turkeys. I was hunting a spot right where the two turkeys were roosted at, which was kind of funny um, on this side hill at this point. Turkeys would come down, they'd move off. Here come the fisher. Turkeys would come back through. Here comes the fisher. Now, I'd, are, are they doing, you know, any damage as far as to the turkeys as they're full grown? I don't know. Probably not. But like that uh, th- there's definitely a little bit of correlation in my opinion based off what i'm seeing there with them now i do not think that that's the the primary reason for the population decline and blaming it all on predators and doing that and and this is again very uneducated this is just my personal experience and what i'm seeing in the woods of spending time in in there but uh yeah i i i think it's it made me feel good though the amount of turkey sign that i've been seeing like i remember as a kid though i could go on ridges here by where i live at and i used to have so many opportunities my dad would take me out and i just missed turkeys like crazy when i was 12 years old and it was like it was always more opportunities and now just finding the birds is is a lot more difficult so <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure so i i've got i've got time we're we're, we're good on my end so um when when you're when you're hunting those big public land tracks in PA or Ohio, wherever it may be, um, how how much you know, you're, you're you're parking? Like how how far into the woods are you going? Do you have just like hey, I'm going to walk two miles, or you know, are you looking for? Because when I when I scout, if it's a new area, I find the parking spots and I find those areas that I want to be like I want to be pretty far away from from access points, and I'm I'm crazy enough that I'm willing to walk. I want to walk 17 miles turkey hunting. Like I'll, I'll move. So are you in that mode? You're like, all right, boom, I'm going to hit this spot. I'm going to walk uh, three miles that way because I've seen some ridges that I like, or, or do you just kind of ease your way in and, and just work your way through, through, you know, once the sun comes up? No, I typically like to get back in um, right at, the, at first light, especially on areas that get a lot of hunting pressure. Cause it's like, all right, I just don't want to be dealing with people from the safety aspect and just being in the woods with people. Um, so I do try to like almost start my way back and move 
if anything, I'm moving back towards the truck as the day, as the morning goes on versus going further. So that's, that's kind of how I've looked at turkey hunting in a lot of these spots. Now I won't say that like all of my spots are way, you know, way back in, not, not at all. And, uh, but, uh, typically in the heavily hunted areas, like I'm looking for some of those ridges that are back in a ways and tend to find more birds back there just, or ones that are, haven't been called to a bunch, especially as the season goes on. That seems to be a, a better way of, that I've found looking at it. Yeah. So when, when, what's, what's kind of your, your, your calling method that, you know, first light comes up, you know, turkey start gobbling. If you don't hear anything calling, will you out hoot at them? Will you, will you call at them or do you just start moving? I out hoot. Um, I'll out hoot at them. And then, it, it's it's so weird sometimes like i'll find birds and i'll usually learn this pretty quickly whether birds have either been called to or they just aren't going to respond to me because like i'll know like if my owl hoot's not like they understand it sounds like a hunter because then all of a sudden a real owl will start going off and they'll gobble to him and i'm like okay mine's not working but i also use crow calls a lot um during the day because i'm as i'm moving one because I can actually do that with my mouth and it, it I think it's kind of comical at the same time. I like doing it. And can you, can you uh, get it to us? Pr- pr- what's that? Can you give us one? I can't do it. It's going to be too loud. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It might blow, blow the mics out. I mean, I could, but it crow calls are my favorite thing to, to be able to do as far as a, a locator. And then at that, and this is from what I've ter- talked to a lot of other people. It's an unpopular opinion but i will use a box call i start loud and then i get quieter as i kind of go through but i start loud um especially if i don't know where the turkeys are and then um but if i know where turkeys are then i go to my slate and then as i move in close i'm usually with my mouth call so i'm not making a bunch of movement yeah i love the move of if if it's quiet i haven't heard any goblin and it's 8 30 dude i will try to be the loudest turkey in the woods at that moment box call i'm gonna hammer that thing tube call is my preferred method but i will go as loud as i possibly can just to see if i can get something to shock gobble yeah if i can scare a gobble out of something i'm not above that or below that i guess you know you're in the game man you might have to you know move a little bit but dude i I don't know who would have an unpopular opinion about that i love being the loudest turkey in the woods man i was just talking to people recently and they're like do people carry box calls anymore i'm like yeah yeah, like I I I like having a box call in my and in, in my box in my bag. Like that's just yeah. like a I I I do use a box call, uh, I don't know quite a bit. And um, and uh, yeah. So I and I, I don't always do the exact standard thing. Like I do a bunch of different things with that box call. But that's that's typically my method. It really depends on if I don't know where a turkey's at. I'm trying to be loud. I'm trying to be obnoxious, and see what I can drum up. And it's fun. Yeah. There aren't many absolutes in turkey hunting, Bo. The one thing that I can say that is an absolute, that a box call has been the last thing a wild turkey has heard, more so than any other call out there. I guarantee it. I guarantee a box call has killed more wild turkeys than, than the rest of them combined. I guarantee it. Paul, I got, I like, I got a turkey I like guarantee that. for you. You might not always yeah. be the, the loudest turkey in the woods, but you are the biggest turkey in the woods. <laughs> that is true <laughs> that is true so so i was hunting i was hunting the uh big cypress down in florida just a couple weeks ago i i had some time i wanted to experience it um 
I'm going to save you the trouble, Bo. Don't, don't do it. Um, unless you are <laughs> a glutton for punishment. So I was down there. I hadn't heard anything and I'm in the middle of the Everglades, man. I mean, it is hot. There's snakes There's alligators. Um, nothing. I'd heard absolutely nothing. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's see what happens. And so I take out my tube call. I've got this one tube call. It's around here somewhere. It's a Primo's foggy bottom tube call. And I put two reeds on it. And uh, I like, like reach back, you know, like when you're trying to throw a baseball and you crow hop into it, I like crow hopped into this turkey call and hit that thing with every ounce of pressure and effort that I could. And it hurt my ears. And I had two quick like yelps. And I had the craziest noise. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like what? Something like just screamed at me. And I see some movement like off to my left, you know, maybe like 70 or 80 yards or whatever. I was like, man, what was that? So I pulled my phone out. I put it up. I'm like, I was recording just for my friends. Like, oh my God, I just had the craziest like thing yell at me. And so I was in this like little general store later that day. And they asked, you know, like how my hunt had been. And I told them that story. And they're like, oh, that was a panther. They're like, really? it, yeah, they're like if it screamed at you, if it sounded like someone screaming at you, that's a Florida Panther. And they're like, you just, it was probably asleep under a tree or whatever. And you scare the shit out of it. And this thing yells and takes off. Or and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Man. <laughs> it was the craziest sound. I was like, I, and, I, and I had no idea because I, I live in Ohio. We don't have free. And I mean, it's basically a mountain lion, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like closer to a puma after what I was reading. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, they're they're everywhere. They're like, you probably scared it awake, man. And it was just yelling at you on its way out. So, Take how crazy is that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I, you know, loudest turkey in the woods, man, scared a panther up. So that was pretty cool. That's that's wild. I I don't know. You guys probably saw the videos like on Instagram or something of like this uh, Florida panther coming into a decoy set. Yeah, how Did crazy was that? Yeah. Yes. I, I guess I, I mean, I knew that Panthers lived in Florida, but I didn't really ever think about it much. And I've never hunted down there to that's, yeah. that's wild. That's, that's super. It cool was man. And you know what? Maybe it was like, just following me through the woods, trying to see what I was. I have no idea. I didn't know it was there until it's out or whatever. It yelled at me and took off, um, man. It was, I wish I would have gotten that. I wish I could have gotten that on camera. I mean, it was, it was on, it was unreal. Yeah, it, it it probably was watching you, and it it was mad because it looked and it's like that's not a turkey, so it just yeah. gave you a yell like "Get out of here!" I'm right. done with you, yeah. sort of deal. Yeah, or it was like, "Oh, I'm gonna eat that fat boy." Look at him, <laughs> <laughs> eat for a month off of him. Uh, so, uh, that's good stuff. Bo, I've appreciated your time today, man. I I, I enjoy uh I enjoy, I enjoy your podcast and 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 the way that uh, that you relay information and the way that you ask uh you know, and you run your show. I really enjoy it, man. Um, and I've enjoyed our time today. So where, where can people, people find you on social media? Yeah. Well, again, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And glad we got to link up and talk turkeys. I don't get to ask to talk turkeys very much. So that was really fun to, yeah. to be able to do and getting to learn from you and some of your strategies as well. But uh, people can find me either at East meets West hunt or just my name, Bo Martonic. You search that on all the platforms. You can find it, the podcast, East meets West hunt. And I uh, got video and audio podcast. There. Good deal. Bo, thank you so much, man. Yep, thanks. Bo. Yeah. Thank you.